Luke. It's been a while since we've been in the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. This morning we're going to take a look at two passages of Scripture that are very similar in nature. So it's very fitting that we cover both of these passages together this morning. So first we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 13, verses 10 and 17. 10 to 17, and then we'll flip over to chapter 14 and take a look at uh, another healing there on the Sabbath. Both of these are healings on the Sabbath that cause a major issue in the minds of some that are gathered there. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab a pew Bible there and turn to page 872. Hear God's word this morning. Referring to Jesus, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But... The ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. I'll flip over to chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. A similar passage with some slight differences. Verse 1, one Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, talking about Jesus, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Let's pray. Merciful God, help us in your mercy to hear your word today. And to heed your word this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once upon a time there was a a man walking down the streets of Golden, Colorado. When he saw a Native American there on the side of the road who had his ear to the ground. And he was chanting something. And so the, the, the man from Colorado walked up to the Native American and he said, pardon me, sir, what did you say? And he said, 
green Ford truck, Ford F-150, Bulldog passenger seat, Colorado license, eastbound, 75 miles per hour. The man from Colorado was amazed. He goes, wow, this guy can get all of this just by having his ear to the ground? And the Native American looked at him and replied and said, no, dummy, I'm describing the, the truck that just hit me. <laughs> that man misunderstood what the situation was there that that Native American was explaining and describing. Uh, that man in Colorado misunderstood that gentleman's need in that moment. Have you ever been there? Maybe not on the side of the road after you've gotten hit by a Ford F-150. But have you ever found yourself in a situation of need and other people didn't recognize it? Or have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you feel just a little bit off? You're, you're a little bit distracted. You're, you're a little bit troubled. And you struggle yourself to recognize exactly, precisely what your need is. How are you needy today? Every one of us comes to this sanctuary this morning in need of God's mercy, whether we realize it or not. What is your need today? In this passage, how many people do we see that need God's mercy? The two that jump out at us are two particularly correct. We see the woman who is hunchbacked, and the, the scriptures say in chapter 13 that she's had a disabling spirit for 18 years that's left her hunchbacked and turned over. We see, well, that definitely, that woman is in need of Jesus' mercy. That woman is in need of Jesus' healing touch. But then we also see in chapter 14 this man who is suffering from dropsy. His, his organs are filling up with fluid. He is Suffering from a condition that's fatal. And we see that man is in need of Jesus' mercy. He's in need of Jesus' healing touch. I'll confess to you that for most of my time wrestling with this passage this week, I looked at those two individuals with eyes of mercy. And every time I read about the Pharisees, I just got ticked off. I got self-righteous and angry. Now, I was ready to come this morning and preach angry about the Pharisees. And it might slip out a few times. I'm not going to doubt that. But as I look at this passage, what amazes me is that those Pharisees and lawyers are also in need of Jesus' mercy. In fact, by Jesus even being in their presence, after all the debates and all the struggles he's had with the Pharisees, in this moment, Jesus is showing them mercy. What is your need today? 
How do you need God's mercy today? I'm convinced that these individuals in these two passages reveal four ways or four reasons that you might need God's mercy today. Here's the first need that you may have. Are you suffering from spiritual warfare in your life? Are you suffering from spiritual warfare in your life? Now this makes Presbyterians really nervous. And it made some of the commentators really nervous when I read what they had to say about chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. But what we have in this passage is, we have Jesus on a Sabbath day. He's he's teaching in the synagogue. And there's this woman that walks in. We don't know if she sits in the back or sits in the front. No one seems troubled or puzzled by the fact that she's there. So it's safe to assume from the context that this was her regular place of worship. This is the synagogue that she would have frequented every Sabbath. And it says that there is a spirit that is disabling her, and it has disabled her for 18 years. Now, based on the context, every commentator is in agreement that this woman is regenerate. She's saved. They say that's why Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham in verse 16. It isn't that Jesus is simply referring to her genealogically, that she's a Jewish woman, but that this woman is a woman of faith. Her heart has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. She's coming to Jesus as her Savior. She's trusting in Him. She's leaning into Him. Nevertheless, she is being troubled by demonic powers. That the scriptures are clear in this passage has disabled her for 18 years. Every commentator is in agreement that her condition is what they would call spondylitis deformans. And how does Jesus respond to her? He recognizes her need for his mercy. And Jesus, in the midst of his teaching, calls the woman to her in verse 12. And he says to her as he touches her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. In the Greek, that word freed is a perfect verb, which means this is an action that happens now and has continuing significance for the remainder of her days. Friends, that's a picture of God's mercy that he offers to you today. That you've been saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so if you have received God's mercy in your life, you are freed. You may not feel like you're free, but you are freed. Now for some of you, you say, Pastor Tanner, I don't feel free. Because ever since I committed my life to Jesus Christ... It seems as if, and I say this word not loosely or irreverently, but some of you would say to me, Pastor Turner, I feel as if ever since I started following Jesus Christ, it seems as if all hell has been breaking loose against me and my family. Rest assured, you are suffering. You're suffering from spiritual warfare, and today you are in need of God's mercy. 
this woman was regenerate, but she needed God's mercy because she was battling spiritual warfare in her life. Very likely this woman was a widow, and so she didn't even have a husband to help her get to the synagogue every Sabbath. But she made her way there every Sabbath regularly. Are you in need of God's mercy today? Some of you are because you're battling spiritual warfare today. I spoke with a friend of mine just yesterday, one of my best friends, who's getting ready to accept a call in our denomination to plant a church in another presbytery. And I asked my friend, I said, are you excited? And I could tell by the tone in his voice that it was with reverential fear. And finally, because we're good friends, he said, Tanner, you know how it is when you put, your, when you put yourself on the front lines for Jesus Christ and you say you're going to be about going out to make disciples, that the incoming just follows. And I asked him, I said, oh, no doubt. I said, but how have you faced it recently? He said, well, I had a heart condition a number of years ago that now has started showing its ugly head again. He said, my youngest daughter, her, her boyfriend came to me and asked if he could ask for her hand in marriage. I said, yeah, you've got about another year or two of school left. When you get to about six months of graduation, feel free to pop the question. I'm sure she's going to say yes. He said, two days later, she comes back home with a ring on her finger. He said, apparently something got lost in translation. He said, and then I go, to, I go to relieve my discomfort by just eating a little bit of granola. And he said, you know what happens as soon as I bite down the granola? His tooth cracks. You could just say it was just a bad day. But when a number of bad things begin lining up against those that are putting themselves on the front lines for Christ and his kingdom, rest assured, it's spiritual warfare. Church, you're experiencing that personally, but we're going to experience it, experience it corporately. Over the next several weeks, you're going to see new members that are coming before us as a church. God be praised, our last two Sundays, I think we received 18 new members before the session. But do you know what that means? Satan is really, really angry. Next week, we're going to, I think, experience our fifth baptism in about six to seven weeks. Do you know what Satan's going to say to that? He's going to be really, really angry. And what we need it's God's mercy. And so this morning, we need to cry out to our Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. But what's the blessing of all blessings is that this woman doesn't even have to cry out to Jesus for mercy, but Jesus already recognizes the mercy she needs from him. And that's exactly the way Jesus is towards you today. He recognizes your need for mercy because he sees some of you suffering from spiritual warfare. The second way that we're needy today is that some of us suffer from bad theology. Oh, I know that's a tough one. But let me ask you the question, are you suffering from bad theology? That's what happens with the ruler of the synagogue in chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. We see in verse 14, it says, But the ruler of the synagogue responds to Jesus' healing of this hunchback woman. It says he gets indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. 
And he says to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. And then these are, this is an imperative in the Greek coming up. He says, come on those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. What's the problem? This ruler of the synagogue is convinced that Jesus is in the wrong. He's convinced that Jesus has broken God's law by healing this woman on the Sabbath day. Now, our Westminster standards help us understand a proper view of the Sabbath, that we are to rest from all physical labors on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is to be dedicated to the worship of God and to the study of God's Word, but there are exceptions that Jesus gives us in this passage and the other passage we read, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. What are the two exceptions? Works of necessity and mercy. So for example, we have some loved ones in the church right now that are in the hospital as we speak. Those doctors and nurses in God's eyes are exempted from being in worship today. Do you know why? They're doing a work of necessity. They're taking care of our loved ones while we meet in worship. But there's another work that God exempts from us on the Sabbath. It's a work of mercy. For example, if you go home today on the Sabbath... And there is sewage backing up into your house, God forbid, and you call Kenny Meeks. You don't want Kenny Meeks to say, sorry guys, it's the Sabbath. What are you hoping he's going to say? Oh no, that's bad. I'll be there in a second. Let me grab my son. Let me grab my son-in-law. We're on our way. Is Kenny Meeks breaking the Sabbath when your sewage is backing up in your house and you call him on Sunday? No, why? Because in God's eyes, that's a work of mercy. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate it. You got a shout out today. That's right. We'll get out the phone number. (laughs) There are six, at least six instances in Luke's gospel where Jesus heals on the Sabbath or his disciples do something on the Sabbath that people just get all all bent out of shape about. In chapter 4, verse 31, Jesus rids a man of an unclean spirit that comes into the synagogue. And you would think... Everyone would be grateful if a demon-possessed man walked into Bartow. Matt Joyner stands up, lays his hands, and, and exercises the person. Everybody's not going to be yelling at Matt. They're going to be like, thank God, Matt, that you could do that in God's name. In chapter 4, verse 38, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law on the Sabbath. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, the disciples are hungry. and They're going through the grain fields, and they're just picking up some grain, and they're eating. The, the Pharisees are going crazy. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. And now he heals this woman who's hunchback. And in chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, he heals the man of dropsy. And the Pharisees are bent out of shape. Why? Because they suffer from bad theology. They're convinced Jesus is in the wrong. Listen to me. Some of you are not happy in your relationship with Jesus. You're miserable trying to live for Jesus. And the reason that is is because you have a need for your theology to be corrected. Let me give you an example. I know a young man. His name's Ben. True story, true individual. Have no doubt that Ben truly loved Jesus, truly wanted to follow Jesus, but he wrestled with the assurance of his salvation. 
And I was at another church serving another church in another tradition. And every Sunday we had an altar call. And I'm not against calling for response to the gospel. I'm not opposed to calling for response to God's word. But every single Sunday, Ben ran to the altar hoping to get saved. And if Ben was driving to work that week and someone pulled out in front of him, he slammed on the brakes and said a word he shouldn't say. I'm not excusing him. He was fearful that he had lost his salvation. And Ben suffered miserably for it. What was he in need of? He was in need of God's mercy. He needed his theology corrected, just like this ruler of the synagogue needed God to cor- needed Jesus to correct his theology. He was indignant, he was angry at Jesus because he had set up the whole worship service and was convinced that Jesus had ruined it. Friends, in God's mercy, you need to know that the truth will set you free. That this gift of salvation is a gift. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's given. And you say thank you. But here's where we go bad with our theology as good Presbyterians. We can take the true the truth of the gospel, and run in one of two sinful directions. One sinful direction is to run in the, in the form of license and think that because I'm saved by God's grace alone, it's a gift, now I can live however I want to live. That's not true. That's not the gospel. That's not a godly, righteous, holy response to the gospel. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But then there's another tendency that I think we have as good Bible-believing, Bible-thumping folks is to take the gospel and not run towards license to sin, but to run towards legalism. And to say, okay, now that we've accepted Christ as our Savior, now for you to stay safe, for you to be saved, you got to add on all these other extras. What's the true gospel response to the gospel? It's loving obedience. It's gratitude. And friends, some of you are suffering your relationship with Jesus because you need God's mercy to correct your bad theology today. To know that your life for Jesus should be driven by loving obedience to him. So are you struggling with spiritual warfare today? Are you suffering from bad theology? Or are you suffering from a physical illness Chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, what we see here is that one Sabbath, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. Important to note that in chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, in Luke's gospel, that's the final time that Jesus teaches in a synagogue. He's at the end of his rope with them. He has said to them, enough. I've been teaching you. You've been rejecting me. And so now in chapter 14, we have Jesus after a synagogue worship service. He's reclining at a Pharisee's table because he's been invited there. But every commentator is in agreement that they've set Jesus up because it says in verse 1, they were watching him carefully. In other words, they were looking for him to do something so they could say, ha, 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 gotcha. Commentators 
debate about whether or not this is fully a setup in that the Pharisee and the, and the lawyers actually invite this man with dropsy into the setting, into the scene, hoping that Jesus will heal him so that they can have something to get Jesus on once again. And how does Jesus respond? He asks them a question very similar to the questions he asks in chapter 13. Which, by the way, in the Greek, assumes that the answer is yes each time. He asks, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? The answer is what? Of course we would. Very similar to the question he asked in chapter 13, that if you have a an animal that's been tied up in the manger, will you not untie it and take it to water to show it the water that it needs and show mercy to it? How is this person suffering? They're suffering from physical illness. Some of you are suffering today. You've been given a diagnosis that you did not want. Some of you have been given a diagnosis that has absolutely rocked your world. And what you need to hear from this passage is that Jesus can heal you and that Jesus cares. Because unlike the Pharisees in this context that are using this man with dropsy as a pawn in their scheme against Jesus... Jesus looks upon this man with dropsy that has fluid filling up his organs that are going to be fatal to him. And Jesus looks on that man with compassion, pulls him aside quietly, heals him without even a bother, and sends him on his way. Friends, are you in need of God's healing touch today? He can heal you. And he cares. One of my dear mentors has been diagnosed with amyloidosis. It's a thickening of the heart. He's a retired minister and he got diagnosed earlier this year. The doctors told him that without medication he'd had about a year and a half life expectancy, they gave him about two years total, maybe two and a half with the medication. And every day we talk on the phone, and for a while he just tormented me every day because he would, every time I would answer the phone, he would say how many days he had left. And then I asked him, are you afraid? And he said, no, I'm not afraid, I'm just curious. I asked her, I said, why are you curious? She said, I've never died before. (laughs) And then he said this. I know that this is eternal life. And he quoted the verse, that I may know you the only true God. And I know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he told me this, he said, actually, God has answered my prayer in giving me this condition. 
please don't be offended by this, but he said, as, I, as a minister, he said, I've gone to nursing home after nursing home after nursing home, and I've thought to myself over the years, and I've prayed, Lord, don't let me fade out. Just take me out. And he said, you know what this condition assures me? That one day I'm going to wake up, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do my Bible study, and I'm going to die of a heart attack. And God's just going to take me out. I was like, you're happy about that? He goes, absolutely. That's God answering my prayer for his mercy. Do you need God's mercy today? Rest assured that God recognizes your need for mercy even before you do. Which brings us to the fourth and final reason we see in this passage that we need mercy is that some of us are suffering from a hard heart. Like I said, I wanted to preach angry about the Pharisees today until I came to chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And don't miss what's going on here. Verse 1, it says, One Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Carefully. 